It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, I know the answer for you, but does anyone here consider themselves a bit of an expert when it comes to putting together IKEA furniture? Anyone good IKEA furniture? Yeah? All right. Good. In other words, like you would ace this job interview, uh, no problem there. You uh, wouldn't find that it come out looking like this. Uh, this one I could kind of relate to because here's the thing. Do you know the only, from my perspective, the only thing more challenging than assembling IKEA furniture is disassembling IKEA furniture. And I know this from my own experience exactly. It is actually impossible. It's got all these built in safety mechanisms where once you've screwed it up, that's it. You got to chuck it away and go back and get some more flat packs and start again. That's the deal. Un. Believable. I am not exactly the leading expert on assembling IKEA furniture, but in the whole DIY realm, I can tell you I am progressing. Rod, you'd be very proud of me. I'm progressing. I'm now a pretty good house painter. Uh, been teaching myself to lay pavers. Now get this, just yesterday morning, I ventured into the trades section of my local Bunnings. A year ago, I didn't even know there was such a place inside Bunnings. I went in there, it was, well, it was a little bit overwhelming, but anyway, I got what I need to get. And I went to pay and the cashier said to me, do you have a trade account? <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, I might've shed a tear in that moment. And through misty eyes, I said to her, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. I looked like I could have had a trade account. Come on now. Hello. Even recently at Marco's Urban Farm, I tried my hand at installing an irrigation system. Yes, retic. And I've never done this before. Uh, but I thought to myself, ha, you know, how hard can it be? What's the worst thing that could happen? So I went down to my local big box hardware store, the big green shed, and uh, I went towards the garden section. Now I'm very familiar with the garden section. I have my own urban farm, very familiar with the garden section, apart from one aisle. It's the irrigation system. I've never been in there ever, not once in my life. And I turned left and I went into the irrigation aisle and it felt like instantly I'd been teleported into an entire parallel universe. If you, don't, if you don't believe, I came across these things called solenoids. If there's anything that proves the existence of alien life, it's solenoid. Just the name gives it away, solenoids. I found elbow joints, risers, gear drive pop-up sprinklers. Like you have to have a license to turn your retic on. 15 millimeter and 19 millimeter everything. Nothing looked familiar to me. So here's the thing. At that point, I had to kind of figure out what each piece does, which 
piece or pieces I needed and how many or what lengths of each. Let me just go and on the record as saying it required multiple repeat visits to my local big box hardware store. In fact, every time I checked out with the cashier, my final words weren't, thank you. My final words were, I'll see you in a few. (laughs) Today, I wanna look at a guy who faced even greater challenges in the realm of construction and like me, had no experience or no prior qualifications. This was something that God gave him much more difficult even than assembling IKEA furniture. Now, we launched this series, Keep the Faith, three weeks ago. Uh, And it's really, first and foremost, we're going through this series with, with the recognition that faith is both the foundation that we build our lives on, and I'm gonna come back to that, and it's also something that we can grow something that can increase. You can have a measure of faith at one point in your life and that can actually, it's not, has to be static. It doesn't have to be capped. It can actually grow. And what we're doing is we're actually uh, drilling into one chapter from one letter in the new part of the Bible. It's a, a, a letter to a group of people called the Hebrews. And we're looking at one chapter, Hebrews Chapter 11. In fact, if you have your smartphone camera, you can scan this flow code. It'll take you to Hebrews chapter 11. And what this is, is actually a letter that was written to Jewish Christians um, who had, you know, effectively or were looked upon by their family and friends and people in their local community as having abandoned Judaism to follow Jesus. So they were kind of like, Traitors. They were kind of like they betrayed the ancestors. Oh, what? We're, you're too good for us now. Jew, Judaism isn't good enough for you anymore. And they became very much outcast, highly persecuted. They lost relationships. They lost opportunities. They lost wealth and possessions. All of that was happening over years. And many of them, sorry, some of them started to question whether it was worth it. Like, Everything that we're going through, it's not very glamorous. This wasn't what they promised me on the brochure that they gave me. It's not what I signed up for. And so some of them started to drift back and and, and think, well, I'll just go back to my old way of life, familiar, comfortable, easier. And this author wrote this letter to them. And one of the things that he did, and, and it's captured in this chapter 11, one of the things that the author did was remind them of all of these incredible men and women in history who had stuck with it, who had not turned back, who had not abandoned their faith and in fact had then gone on to do incredible things for God. Actually ordinary people, in some case highly dysfunctional ordinary people uh, who didn't turn back, who didn't take the easy option. And these people have become known in this chapter as like the Hall of Faith Members. So if you missed any of the first uh, two weeks, you can go into our podcast, just on any of the podcast platforms, type in Elevate Church Perth and we'll be there. Last week, we took a, a look at a Hall of Faith member named Enoch, who we knew very little about, but we certainly could draw uh, some incredible principles from his life. Uh, today, we're going to look at a guy we know a little bit more about. His name is Noah. And uh, I think it's suffice to say that compared to Enoch, he's way more famous. 
And the writer of this letter to the Hebrew Jesus followers wrote this, by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. Code word, desert. Hello. Well, I wanna keep reading because why on earth would anyone do something as daft as that? Well, he was warned about something that he couldn't see. All right, not helpful. And acted on what he was told. Ah, okay, where's a clue? The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. Before we get on, onto this whole thing of what he did when he was told, but he couldn't see and that what happened, I just want to double click on this last thing that the writer makes reference to. And I think this could be almost the most important thing, or at least equally the most important thing that's said about Noah, that as a result of, of his act of faith, that he became intimate with God. No more praying, God, are you there? No more praying, God, are you interested? God, are you willing and able to be involved in my life? When you're intimate with God, you don't ask those questions anymore because you know that He's there, that He's willing, that He's able. But, but understand, it's as a result. In other words, getting to that level of intimacy wasn't automatic. It was the result, the outcome, the consequence of things that Noah had done upstream. So here's, here's the backstory. Um, it's kind of bonkers. I mean, sorry, it's incredibly bonkers. Uh, so God had created the heavens and the earth, including humanity. And the ark of humanity had gotten to the point where things were so bad, people were so rotten and corrupt and wicked and evil that God actually said that He regretted making them. <laughs> like, oops. And He's like, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna create humanity version 2.0. And let's see if we can get it right this time. I'm giving it a shot. And He could only find one person that he could, that he felt confident that he could create and build humanity version 2.0 on. And that was a guy named Noah. So God starts to speak to Noah and, and lays it out for him. He said, listen, Noah, I'm fed up with humanity that, you know, I created. I'm tired of the corruption and the violence that, I see. So I'm going to take the nuclear option and I'm just going to kill everyone with a flood. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start with a clean slate except for you and your family. Pretty big day. If your name's Noah. So can you imagine the scene at the dinner table that evening? Noah with his wife, three kids, adult kids, their wives. So honey, how was your day today? Noah's like, ah, you know, I spoke with God today. She's like, really? How's he doing? Well, actually, not too good. Oh, 
Why not? He doesn't like humanity. He's going to wipe them all out with a flood. And his eldest son chips up and goes, Dad, what's a flood? Noah goes, search me. We live in the desert. I have no idea. He said, but it's okay. No need to panic. God's charged me with the responsibility of building an ark and uh, you and your mom and your wives, we all get to go on it and God promises that we're gonna be safe. So, but I'll, just one more thing though, uh, pack lightly because we have to fit two of every kind of animal on the ark as well so things could get a little bit crowded. Now, okay, some of you church veterans, I know, you know how this story plays out. And that could be a problem because we could sort of like lose the significance of what's really going on in real time in this. So I just want to, if you can, if you can just kind of put your knowledge of how the story ends to one side and actually look at this exact moment in time as if you're one of Noah's sons or daughters-in-law. Because right now, your dad, your father-in-law, he sounds like a madman. He sounds like he's absolutely lost the plot because you know that he has no background in construction. He does not have a degree in nautical engineering. So even if this story about your chat with God is true, there's no way that you are gonna be the one that God has chosen. You're not qualified. Well, okay, Noah isn't qualified if we only think about qualifications in terms of what we can see on the outside. And yet often the number one thing that qualifies us to be used by God can only be seen when you pop the hood and see what's going on on the inside. The writer of Genesis, who, who was the one that recorded this story of Noah's interaction with God, described Noah as a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, the one that God's, ones that God's about to wipe out. And he walked faithfully with God. He had that in common with Enoch, which we talked about last week. And, and God, when He spoke with Noah and said He's going to send a flood, He's going to save Noah and his family, He wants Noah to build an ark, He gave very, very, very specific instructions. You can read about them in your own time. You can learn about cubits and everything that will not be of any use to you from this day forward. Um, but the big idea is that he laid out for Noah the plans to build something on purpose for a purpose. Then just potter around in your shed, in your man cave. No, I want you to build something on purpose for a purpose. Did you know that you and I can actually build our lives on purpose for a purpose? 
It doesn't mean we can control every circumstance or every outcome. You may know some people that will actually find it easier than you to build some areas of their life on purpose for a purpose because they don't share some of your messed up background and they haven't had to spend as much on counselling as you have. That even in your own life, there's going to be some areas you'll find easier to build on purpose, for a purpose, and yet some others will kind of lag and need some more attention. But in the big scheme of things, as followers of Jesus, we can build a life on purpose, for a purpose, and you don't even need to have prior experience. Your qualifications look more like Noah's qualifications. Righteous, blameless, and this one I can't, stress enough, walking faithfully with God. So I'm just going to, because I'm such a newly minted construction genius, my reticulation system, by the way, which is currently turned off, don't dob me in, is phenomenal. I may have had some professional assistance along the way, but you know, don't believe all the rumours that uh, Gavin Jones is going to start circulating around here. Um, let me give you some of Marco's pro tips for what it looks like to build a life on purpose for a purpose. First one, find the right supplier. Look, I'd never put a reticulation system together before, okay, but I knew enough to know that my first step was not to walk into a Harvey Norman TV section. Was not to walk into my local Woolies, and start shopping for solenoids. You actually have to be positioning yourself in the right environment if you want to build your life on purpose for a purpose. Who you spend the majority of your time with matters. Oh, I'm influencing them. They're not influencing me. Well, I hope you're right. Because if you're not, guess what? What you spend your time doing matters. If your convictions aren't convictions, they're just preferences and they can get bullied around based on what other things come across the radar, then they're not convictions. And unfortunately, by shifting and changing, the that's going to... Let me, let, me, let me go so far as to say this. Now, uh, okay. I can say with a reasonably high degree of confidence that if I was to get into your business and find out who you're spending the majority of your time with, what you're spending the majority of your time doing, I can pretty confidently predict the sort of life you're going to have built in the next 20, 10, 10, 20, 30 years. And the reason I can is because you're already headed in that direction. <laughs> like you're, it's not, you're already on that trajectory. The, the, the people you're spending your time with and the things you're spending your time on, they're actually leading you. They're already leading you like, well, they, they, they're already leading you 
in a particular direction. And so the question becomes, are the people that I'm spending my time with and the things I'm spending my time on, are they, is that trajectory taking me in the direction that I feel God calling me to go? Are those the people, is that the environment, are those the suppliers that are gonna help me build a life on purpose for a purpose? And if they're not, if those people are not and the things you're spending your time on are not, change suppliers. In fact, if you want to build your faith, one of the most important things you can do is actually intentionally spend time around people with greater faith than you and jump in their slipstream. And don't be intimidated by them. Learn from them. Be inspired by them. By the way, here's a clue. If you want to know if someone in your sphere or within arm's reach of you has uh, potentially has a greater faith than you, here's a clue. Listen for this. Whether they default to saying, can I do it? Can we do it? You'll hear them saying, how can I do it? How can we do it? The if isn't on the table. If God's called them, instructed them, then the only question they're asking is how? How are we gonna get this thing? Not if, how? I'm I'm in. Now I just, like how? And and God, for Noah's uh, benefit and for our benefit, actually gives clear instructions, but this is what matters is we've actually then, how can I do it? How can we do it? Follow the instructions. And by the way, I'm as shocked as you when I first read that Noah, a male, actually paid attention to the instructions and actually followed them. I mean, it was stunning. It was a moment for me when I read my Bible. I'm like, okay, wow. Not just the bits that suited his schedule. He didn't tear out the bits that seemed a little bit too difficult. No editing. No shortcuts. In fact, the writer of Genesis, this is a cracker, said this about Noah. Noah did everything. You could just put a full stop there because that is something that not everyone even gets to. So did everything, first of all, and then everything just as God commanded him. Let's just leave it up here. And here's an aspirational goal for life. Insert your name where Noah's name is. That's an aspirational goal. That over the course of your lifetime, that it could be said of you and that you could say of yourself, Mark did everything just as God commanded him. Now, if I said that to you, it's rubbish. It's a bold-faced lie because as I sit here, age 21, there's no way that over the last 21 short years of my life, I have done everything just as God commanded. But I'm saying this, this is an aspirational goal, right? Right, thank you. You're welcome. And then it requires this. So find the right supplier, follow the instructions. I don't need these. And then play the long game. 
And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. And the reason I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this is because culturally, the, the culture we live in is not playing the long game in increasingly, in the increasingly, increasingly, increasingly. And, and here's, here's part of the reason why. Because we've got options. We've got more options within arm's reach in any sphere, like you name it. We've got more options than we've ever had in the course of human history. So here's the thing. If it gets too hard, we just quit. Start something else. And don't just be thinking about your kids right now. Think about yourself. Because we, we, we do it. And, here, and, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm staging an intervention here. You finish, when it comes to what God's called you to do, when it comes to building a life on purpose for a purpose, you finish when it's finished. Starting's the easy part. Starting's not always automatic. It's like, well, start Monday, Monday comes around, didn't start. Okay, that's gonna happen. But, but actually, on some of the things you start on Monday, starting's the easy bit. Noah spent 120 years building this ark. Oh, did I mention it's in the middle of the desert? So there's Noah out in the front yard building the ark. Neighbour walks by. Morning, Noah. Uh, morning, Bill. Hey, Noah, what you up to? Oh, I'm uh, building an ark. A what? An ark. What's an ark? Oh, it's, a, it's, like, it's like a big ship. What's a ship? Look, it's like... Uh, listen, look, uh, I'm building this thing because, uh, listen, look, you'll see. Can you imagine some of the conversations that Noah's neighbours were having at Noah's expense at the pub on a Friday night? Have you been past Noah's house lately? There's this thing out the front. It's massive. It's about half the size of the Titanic. What's the Titanic? You'll see anyway. 120 years. And again, oh, he's a member of the Hall of Faith. So we assume it must have been easy for him. Come on. 120 years doing something you've never done before? Just you and your three sons? It would be naive to think Noah didn't get discouraged. It would be naive to think Noah didn't face obstacles. It, it would, 120 years. Here's some words that don't get as much publicity in 2023 as they ought to. Determination. Resilience. I, I could go on. Noah would not have made it into the hall of faith. His family wouldn't have been saved if he'd stopped after 10 years. Sounds like a long time. 50 years. 100 years, even 119 years, if Noah had quit after 119 
15 years. The distance between him and finishing and saving himself and his family and humanity, the distance after 119 years was paper thin, but he could have quit and he didn't because he finished what God had called him to do to build a ship, an ark on purpose, for a purpose. He finished when it was finished. Not a day sooner. So I'm going to land on this uh, thing that Peter wrote. Now, Peter was like, like a bit of a hot-headed, uh, hand-picked follower of Jesus. Um, he, he liked to ask and say what everyone else was thinking. And uh, he got him in trouble sometimes. Uh, he kind of figured it out eventually. And he wrote a couple of letters. He actually wrote a couple of letters to the same audience that the letter to the writer of the letter to the Hebrews wrote. And he wrote this, one of the letters, he wrote this thing about a framework. In fact, we'll get to it in a second. But he talks about faith being the foundation of our life. That when we start to build a life on purpose, for a purpose, that faith is actually the thing that makes up the foundation. Faith that God is who He says He is, that He'll do what He says He's going to do, that we can actually trust Him. That's a solid foundation. And then he starts to talk about a framework, seven specific things that we need to add into our life to build a life on purpose, for a purpose. And I'm just going to do a super quick flyover. Let's throw up what Peter wrote to these Jewish Christians. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith. So building on your basic faith. And then he hits seven things. Good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others. It's a, it's a construction project. With these qualities active and growing in your life, no grass will grow under your feet, no day will pass without its reward. It's the same thing said of Noah as you mature in your experience of Master Jesus. Let's just leave that up and I'm gonna riff on these seven things. Each of these could be a message in itself. This whole thing could be a message series. Someone should write that down. It's a great idea. Uh, but I'm not gonna do that this morning because we don't have the time. But let me just riff on these seven things. Good character. These are things that Noah possessed. Good character is doing what's right even when no one's looking. Spiritual understanding, seeking God's way through His Word. Talked about that last week. Alert discipline, avoiding the things that will take you off track. Talked about that two weeks ago. Like, whoops, up. Louie has one in her car. It's a, what are they called, Hater? The lane correct system thing? Is that what they're called? Okay, anyway, I need to get one on my Vespa. Uh, alert discipline, passionate patience, the boldness to keep moving forward even when challenged, even if it takes 120 years. Reverent wonder, this can be captured in prayer, talked about that last week, fasting, meditation, just this like really consistently reminding ourselves of just how awesome God is. Warm friendliness. I said this to our team this morning. I'm on record as having saying it before, but here's, here's one thing. I, this is a pet subject of mine and I don't have time to get going on it because if I start getting revved, I may never stop. Uh, 
But I'm going to say this, this is what I say to our team. Have you ever met somebody that's a great Christian and an awful human? Like they can quote the Bible back to front, upside down, but they are just horrible, horrible people. Don't be nudging the person next to you. The divorce papers will be getting served when you get home. This is so important. You know, people liked to be around Jesus. The only people that didn't were the religious people. There's there's human qualities that have to be developed if we are to be reflecting Jesus into the people around us. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Oh yeah, I said I could get going on that forever and I won't. And then this one here, generous love. This is this, uh, this is another pet subject of mine. <sighs> no. Here's the homework. That's another message from that. Here's the homework. Uh, this, this is the homework. This is what I will strong, I am gonna strong, this is your homework. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. I bookended this with two Mission Impossible references, Tara. How good am I today? This, this is the homework. I will encourage you to meditate on this, this week. Our team did a little practice session this morning where we read it from different versions. This is from the message version. Different versions. Maybe read a version a day. Maybe read a couple of versions a day. Maybe write this out. Sometimes when you write things out, those of you that still remember cursive writing and pens, paper, uh, can help remember. And, and really just and, and, and just, and take your time. How am I doing with each of these seven things? God, shine a little bit of light on any one of these things that I can improve on. Because again, these are the framework that build on your basic faith. We really hope you've got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.